Hey guys, I'm back with another book. So, if you have watched the trailer of Matilda, you would notice that this book is about a genie's girl. So now let's get started by reading the chapter number one, the reader of books. It's a funny thing about mothers and fathers. Even when their own child is most disgusting little blister you could ever imagine, they still think that he or she is wonderful. Some parents go further. They became so blinded by adoration, they managed to convince themselves that the child has qualities of genius. Well, there is nothing very wrong with all this. It's the way of the world. It's only when the parents began telling us about the brilliantness of their own revolting offspring. Then we shot starting. Bring us a basin. We are going to be sick. School teachers suffer a good deal from having to listen to this sort of to adult from proud parents. But they usually get their own back when the time comes to write the end of the term reports. If I were a teacher, I would cook up some real scotchers for the children of doing dotting parents. Your son, Maximilian, I would write, is a total washout. I hope you have a family business you can push him into when he leaves school because he sure won't get a job anywhere else. Or if I were feeling lyrical that day, I might write. It is a curious truth that grasshoppers have their hearing organs in the side of their abdomen. Your daughter, Vanessa, judging by what she's learned this term, has no hearing aids at all. I might even delve deeper into the natural history and say the periodic scada spends six years as grub underground and no more than six days as a free creature of sunlight and air. Your son, Wilfred, has spent six years as a garb in a school and we are still waiting for him to emerge from the lyricists. A particularly poisonous little girl might sting into me saying, Fiona has the same gestural beauty as an iceberg, but unlike the iceberg, she has absolutely nothing below the surface. I think I might enjoy writing end of the term reports for the stinkers in my class. But enough of that. We had to get on. Occasionally, one comes across parents who take the posit line, who show no interest at all in the children. And these, of course, were far worse than dotting ones. Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood were two such parents. They had a son called Michael and a daughter called Matilda. And the parents looked upon Matilda in a particular as nothing more than a scab. A scab is something you put on with until the time comes out when you can pick it off and flick it away. Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood looked forward enormously to the time when they could pick their little daughter off and flick her away, preferably into the next country or even further than that. It is bad enough when parents treat ordinary children as though they were scabs and bunions, but it somehow becomes a lot worse when the child is questioned in extraordinary. And by that, I mean sensitive and brilliant. Matilda was both of these things. But above all, she was brilliant. Her mind was so maniable and was so quick to learn her that ability should have been obvious even to the half-most half-witted of parents. But Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood were both so gormless and so wrapped up in their own silly little lives that they failed to notice anything unusual about their daughter. To tell the truth, I thought they would have noticed that she crawled into the house with a broken leg. 
Matilda's brother Michael was a perfectly normal boy, but the sister, as I said, was something to make your eyes pop. By the age of one and a half, her speech was perfect and she knew as many words as most grown-ups. The parents, instead of applauding her, called her noisy chatterbox and told her sharply that small girl should not be seen and not heard. By the time she was three, Matilda had taught herself to read by studying newspapers and magazines that lay around the house. At the age of four, she could read fast and well and she naturally began hankering after books. The only book in the whole of this enlightened household was something called easy cooking belonging to her mother and when she read this from cover to cover she had learned all recipes by heart she decided she wanted something more interesting so i hope you are enjoying the chapter so now let's move forward daddy she said do you think you could buy me a book? A book? He said. What do you want Fleming book for? To read, Daddy. What's wrong with the telly, for heaven's sake? We have got a lovely telly with a 12-inch screen and now you came asking for a book? You're getting spoiled, my girl. Nearly every weekday afternoon, Matilda was left alone in the house. Her brother, five years older than her, went to school. Her father went to work and her mother went out playing bingo in a town eight miles away. Mrs. Wormwood was hooked on bingo and played it five afternoons a week. On the afternoon of the day when her father had refused her to buy a book, Matilda set out herself to walk to the public library in the village. When she arrived, she introduced herself to the librarian, Mrs. Phillips. She asked if she might sit a while and read a book. Mrs. Phillips, slightly taken aback at the tire of a, such a tiny girl, unaccompanied by a parent, nevertheless told her she was very welcome. Where are children's books, please? Matilda said. They are over there on those lower shelves. Mrs. Phillips told her. Would you like me to help you find a nice one with lots of pictures in it? No, thank you, Matilda said. I'm sure I can manage. From then on, every afternoon, as soon as her mother had left for bingo, Matilda would toddle down to the library. The walk only took ten minutes and this allowed her two glorious hours sitting quietly by herself in a cosy corner, devouring one book after another. When she had read every single children's book in the place, she started wandering around in search of something else. Mrs. Phillips, who had been watching her with the fascination of past weeks, now got up from her desk and went over her. Can I help you, Matilda? She asked. I'm wondering what to need next. Matilda said, I finished all the children's books. You mean you have looked at the pictures? Yes, but I've read the books as well. <laughs> Mrs. Phillips looked down at Matilda from a great height and Matilda looked right back up at her. I thought some were very poor, Matilda said, but others were lovely. I liked the secret garden best of all. It was full of mystery, the mystery of the room behind the closed door and the mystery of the garden behind the big wall. Mrs. Phillips was stunned. Exactly how old are you, Matilda? She asked. Four years and three months, Matilda said. Mr. Phillips was more stunned than ever, but she had the sense not to show it. What sort of book would you like to read? Matilda said, I would like to... A, like a really good one that grown-ups read a famous one i don't know any names 
Mrs. Phillips looked among the shelves, taking her time. She didn't quite know what to bring out. How she asked herself, one does a famous grown-up book for a four-year-old. Her first thought was to pick up a young teenager's romance or what kind of this were written for 15-year-old girls, schoolgirls. But for some reason, she found herself instinctively walking past that particular shelf. Try this. It's very famous and very good. If it's too long for you, just let me know and find something else shorter and easier. Great Expectations Matilda read by Charles Dickens. I love to try it. I must be mad, Mrs. Phillips told herself, but no. To Matilda said, of course you may try it. Over next few afternoons, Mrs. Phillips could hardly take her eyes from the small girl sitting for hour after hour in the big armchair at the far end of the room with a book in her lap. It was necessary to rest it on the lap because it was too heavy for her to hold up, which meant she had to sit leaning forward in order to read. A strange sight it was, this tiny dark-haired person sitting around with her feet no one near touching the fur, totally absorbed in the wonderful adventures of Pip and Miss Havisman and her co-webbed house by the spell of magic that Deccans, the great storyteller, had woven with his words. The only movement from the reader was the lifting hand every now and turn over page, and Miss Phillips always felt sad when the time came for across the first It's ten to five, Matilda. During the first week of Matilda's visit, Mrs. Phillips had said to her, Does your mother walk you down here every morning and take you home? My mother goes to Albuseri every afternoon to play bingo, Matilda had said. She doesn't know I came here. But that's surely not right, said Mrs. Philip. I think you better ask her. I'd rather not, Matilda said. She doesn't encourage reading books, not as my father. But what do you expect you to do every afternoon in the house? Just mouch around and watch the telly, I see. She doesn't really care what I do, Matilda said a little sadly. Mrs. Philip was concerned about the child's safety on the walk of the fairy busy village, high street and the crossing of her, but she decided not to interfere. Within a week, Matilda had finished the great expectation, which in that edition contains 411 pages. I loved it, she said to Mrs. Phillips. Has Mr. Dickens written any others? A great numbers, has said the astounded Mrs. Flip. Shall I choose you another? Over the next six months, under Mrs. Phillips' watchful and compassionate eyes, Matilda read the following books. Nicholas and Nick Blay by Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, Jane I by Charlotte Bonnet, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, Tess and the Orwellies by Thomas Hardy, Down to Earth by Marby Webb, Came by Rudyard Kipling, The Invisible Mai by H.G. Wells, The Old Man and the Sea by Nernest. Ernest Hemingway, The Sound of the Furry by William Faulkner, The Grapes and the Word by John Stenbeck, The Good Companions by J.B. Presley, Brighton Rock by Graham Greene, Animal Farm by George Orwell. It was a formidable list and by now Mrs. Phillip was filled with wonder and excitement, but it was probably a good thing that she did not allow herself to be completely carried away by it all. Most anyone else witnessing Achievements of the small kid would have been tempted to make a great fuss and shout the news all over the village and beyond. But no so Mrs. Phillips. She was someone who minded her own business and had 
long since discovered it was seldom worthwhile to interfere with other people's children. Mr. Hemingway says a lot of things I don't understand, Matilda said to her, especially about men and women. But I loved it all the same, the way he tells I feel I'm right there on the spot watching it out happen. A fine writer will always make you feel that, Mrs. Phillips said, and don't worry about the bits you can't understand. Sit back and allow the words to wash around you like music. I will, I will. Do you know, Mrs. Phillips said, that public libraries like this allows you to borrow books and take their home. I didn't know that, Matilda said. Could you, could I do it? Of course, Mrs. Phillips, when you have chosen a book you want, bring it to me so I can make a note of it and it's yours for two weeks. You can take more than one if you wish. From then, Matilda would sit the library only once a week in order to take out new books and return the old ones. Her own small bedroom now became her reading room and there she would sit and read most afternoons, often with a mug of hot chocolate beside her. She was not quite tall enough to reach things around the kitchen, but she kept a small box in the outside house which she bought in and stood it on order to get whatever she wanted. Mostly it was hot chocolate she made, warming the milk in a saucepan on the stove before mixing it. Occasionally she made borville or Ovaltine. It was pleasant to take a hot drink up to her room and have it beside her as she sat in Silent's room reading an empty house in an afternoon. The books transported her into new worlds and introduced her to amazing people who lived exciting lives. She went on olden days sailing ships with Joseph Cornard. She went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and to India with Ruyard Kipling. She traveled all over the world while sitting in her little room in an English village. So guys, this was a really big chapter. I hope you loved it. This book, as I'm reading, it looks really, really, really amazing for me. So I hope you're also liking it. Doom send me voice messages about how you're liking the book and don't forget to click on the follow button and share it to all your friends and family i think reading books makes me feel better and listening my books will be more better so i hope you'll do that so have a good day i'll see you in the next chapter till then stay tuned take care and bye bye